0: I felt the piercing sting of rejection and watched as it stole the life I knew right out from under me. Hey there! If you believe in God and aren't really sure what to do with that belief, or if you personally know Jesus and want a deeper relationship with Him, then this podcast is for you. I'm Rachel Middleton, and welcome to the BookCast. Welcome back. If you're joining me again, that means you're back on this journey with me, learning more about who we are in Christ. Or if someone shared this specific message with you, I want to give you a special welcome. I'm so glad you're here. You're jumping into chapter two of one of the first books to be released exclusively via a podcast. Before we start today's chapter, I want to take a moment and acknowledge the fact that I can only write from my perspective. I try to share my own thoughts and feelings in a way that honors my story and highlights what God is doing in it. But that's just it. This book is written from the point of view of my story. With that said, I want to remind you that there are always two sides to the same story. I cannot speak to the emotions, thoughts, or spiritual growth of other people. I can only share how these events and situations affected my own heart and how I have learned from them. I trust God to continue to grow each person from my life and make them the hero of their own story. And I trust you to show compassion and kindness to these individuals. In this book, you only get a glimpse into my inner world, not theirs. They have their own battles, struggles, and hurts, and I never want to downplay that. My intention is not to make anyone out to be a villain. My heart is not to demonize people or blame them for the pain that I've walked through. Instead, I want to simply honor my own story by sharing what I've been through. God has brought me through situation after situation and proven himself to be the only one worthy of my worship, and that is what I want to highlight. Thank you for listening to my story and sifting through it with me as I continue to process the events that have brought me to a point of continually seeking the Lord. God has really shown me some things about my own heart that I need to work on, and he's still helping me sort out my identity, all the way down to the truest thing. From the book of Exodus, chapter 20, verse 3. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Chapter 2. Someone other than God. Breathe. Why can't I breathe? That phrase whirled through my head as I stood petrified and alone in my house. I tried all kinds of mental gymnastics just to take the next breath. Thinking over and over again. Come on, Rachel. It's not that hard. Breathe. The tires spun out in my brain, like a car completely stuck in the mud or snow. My mind was racing, but I wasn't going anywhere. All of the neurons in my brain were firing, but nothing I thought of helped me get over the darkness in my mind of what could happen. I continued to give myself a mental pep talk just to make it through the next inhale. Each breath, more shaky and unsteady, built my growing concern that something was medically wrong with me. Should I go to the emergency room? Something was definitely wrong. I never had this kind of trouble breathing before, but it wasn't just the lack of breath in my lungs that concerned me. It was also the rapidly increasing beat of my heart. I could feel each beat in my chest like a sledgehammer crashing into the inside of my ribcage. I convinced myself that if my heart beat any faster, I would see it fly right out of my chest while simultaneously drenching me in my own blood. And the shaking, oh, the shaking. Each muscle, from my cold, sweaty hands all the way down and through my legs, felt like 10,000 watts of electricity had been directly applied to each individual muscle. Trembling uncontrollably, I felt as if I would topple over from the loss of control in my own body. What was going on? Alone and lightheaded, I paced back and forth, attempting to tell my body what to do, but I couldn't. My emotions were too raw to think my way out of this. I felt completely out of control. Breath shaky, heart racing, hands sweaty, muscles trembling. I had to try to slow my heart rate somehow. Otherwise, I was sure that I would faint. Only one word came to mind. Run. All 235 pounds of me barreled down the sidewalk as I frantically tore through our neighborhood, running for my life as if some unseen assailant chased me. It was my only shot to try to naturally bring my heart rate down. Eventually, I could focus on my breathing, in and out, in and out. My elevated heart rate didn't feel quite so out of place now, and I could focus on the steadier movement of my body as I sprinted down the street with as much grace as a penguin in kickboxing class. I'm sure it wasn't pretty, but it worked. With pain shooting in my side, I slowed to a jog and eventually a brisk walk. I could feel my heart rate lower as my pace slowed gradually. Gasping for breath now felt natural and felt like the oxygen actually got to my lungs. By the time I stumbled into my house, I was exhausted, but I no longer felt the need to call an ambulance. As I collapsed on the floor, and reflected on what happened that morning, I suddenly realized what that was. I experienced the first panic attack of my life. The trigger. So what triggered this panic attack? What caused me to feel so out of control and so convinced that something dark was awaiting me in the near future? It was not triggered by the stress i endured in launching a new children's ministry program at our church. It wasn't the fact that i hadn't slept in 3 days, although that might have played a part in it, and it was not because my younger cousin was pregnant. This first panic attack happened because i lost my best friend. She was no longer in my life. This panic attack was the result of my choice to put my identity in someone, someone other than God. In the year and a half leading up to that first panic attack, I met and became very close with my new best friend. She was my everything. She was the person who I texted the moment I got up, the person who I wanted to spend most of my time with. She was the person I thought about more than any other, including my husband, including God. She was the first person that I went to for advice, and she was there when I needed to talk through something. She was my best friend. She was my idol. No, I didn't lose her to disease or death. She did not pass away. And though she did not die... I mourned as if she had. In some respects, it hurt even more than if she had passed away. I felt the piercing sting of rejection and watched as it stole the life I knew right out from under me. I had never had a friend like her. Then suddenly, one day it was all over. My best friend and I broke up. She and I had a falling out, a big one. I can see now that it was not either of our faults, but the providence of God saving me from my own idolatry. Now I can see the good that has come from it. But back then, back then, it rung my bell so hard that I didn't sleep for days. I had to force myself to eat. It felt like I had been kicked in the chest and had the wind knocked out of me. All I could think about for three days was how I could get her back. What could I do, say, or become in order for her to love me again? I wept and my mind raced as I suddenly felt insecure about every aspect of myself. I kept asking myself, Who am I without her? That question was the trigger to the first panic attack.
1: The people we love.
0: If you're like me, then you have asked that same question. Who am I without this person? Perhaps you, too, have given over a portion of your identity to someone other than God. When this happens, it is difficult to know what healthy, Christ-like love looks like and what unhealthy, codependent love is. It can be a slippery slope to go from a love that radiates the life of Jesus to a love that depletes and drains the life out of us. At first glance, codependency can look good and even look like something we should strive for it can seem deceptively similar to the self-sacrificing love that we are called to as Christians. However, I believe that the enemy of our soul has a counterfeit version of all God's blessings, and I believe that codependency is the counterfeit version of God's incredible love that He wants to reveal to other people through us. Codependency has several different definitions. Like all abstract concepts, there are various nuances to it, and the definition can vary greatly depending on who you ask. But for our purposes today, I want to focus on how codependency deals with our identity. It occurs when we look to others for our sense of identity and self-worth. While perusing the vast definitions that are available through the internet, I found it interesting that other people recognize this direct relationship between identity and codependency. In one article, Wikipedia says, Among the core characteristics of codependency is an excessive reliance on other people for approval and a sense of identity. It is less about the outward actions we do for others and more about the inward illusion that our value and identity are only determined through the lens of others. We become free from this toxic way of viewing ourselves when we accept that our identity is in how God created and sees us. Stepping into the definition of ourselves that comes from God can feel unstable and scary at first. But once we find our identity in our relationship with God first, there is an immense sense of freedom in the relationships we have with other people, no longer bound by their view of us, only defined by how God sees us. Best Friends The breakup with my old best friend caused me to question who I was at my deepest level. I was extremely codependent on her and found my identity in who she was instead of who God made me to be. I want to take a moment and peer through a window into the past and look at what my life was like in the moments leading up to that first panic attack and the crippling emotional implosion that took place. We did everything together. We went shopping together. We planned kids' birthday parties together. We vacationed together. We spent Christmas and other holidays together, and we would do just the mundane things of life, together. There wasn't a day that went by when I didn't talk to her. She let me in on her inner thoughts as well as let me share mine. We regularly stayed up till two or three o'clock in the morning, just talking and laughing. Oh, how she made me laugh. She had a sarcastic wit. While oftentimes was inappropriate, kept me rolling on the floor laughing. In the year and a half that passed between us, she and I got so close that we planned out the rest of our lives together. It honestly felt more like I was dating her than becoming her best friend. And I loved it. I felt important and valued because that's how she saw me. And in turn, I admired every bit of her. I started to desire to be just like her So much so that I intentionally gave my whole identity an overhaul to become more like her. I wanted to wear the kind of clothes that she wore, enjoy the things that she enjoyed, watch the same movies and shows that she watched, and see things the way that she saw them. I would get offended and appalled at the same things that would trigger her. I deliberately began to be more sarcastic And I started looking for opportunities when I could make inappropriate jokes. Jokes that would never have crossed my mind before and that make me blush now to think about came out of my mouth on a regular basis. But I loved it. I loved it because I was becoming more and more like what I worshipped. She and I had the friendship that I always dreamed about. It felt like she was part of who I was. Even our mutual friends saw this melding of our identities. They eventually started calling us the twins because we became so alike in appearance and personality that we started to become identical. It was easy for me to justify my idolatry of her because I enjoyed my newfound identity. I was not turning to God for His truth. I was turning to my best friend for hers. I placed her opinion above my own and above God's. I was so blind to my own idolatry. Whether we find our identity in our parents, spouse, children, or best friends, our identity is not secure unless it is placed in Jesus. While we are called to deeply love other people, our identity is not their responsibility. When we place our identity in the relationships we have with people, we cross over from loving someone into the realm of worshiping them, and that is a scary place to be. Identity and Idolatry As you can tell by my account of my idolization of my best friend, I have my fair share of experience in placing my identity in other people, and I still feel like I'm figuring out how to place my identity in Christ alone. By no means do I believe that I am perfect in this area. God still has to extend grace to me over and over. I only speak from my own experience and observations of the idolatry in my life. In biblical times, idolatry was easily identified. It was common practice for people to erect a statue and worship it as a god. Idolatry was simple and easy to recognize. Today, You have to search long and hard to find someone who worships an actual carved object as a god. So, how do we identify and define idolatry now? I believe that modern-day idolatry lies in this area of finding our identity in someone other than God. In that sense, I believe that we all have taken part in idolatry haven't we all surrendered a part of who we are to be defined by someone else? Even in small doses, idolatry can cause us to question who we really are and cause us to go looking for the answer. When this happens, we are sent searching our relationships for something they were never meant to provide the key to who we are as human beings. Some of us have caught glimpses of what surrendering our identity is actually does to our hearts and souls. For me, when I chose to place my identity in someone other than God, this question of, who am I, left me wandering aimlessly in the realm of panic attacks. It left me googling for inspirational quotes and vague answers about who we are as humans. We see the effects of idolatry when we go through a breakup, with a best friend, or an actual breakup with a significant other. We see the effects of this play out in the loss of a loved one or in court battles over divorce. I personally have seen how easily I succumb to idolatry and surrender my identity to someone other than God. I wonder if you have done the same. Before moving on, I want to clarify what I mean by idolatry because it's a bit different than the normal definition. The first definition that pops up for idolatry when I googled it was an extreme admiration, love, or reverence for something or someone. I wanna challenge this definition and submit the idea that idolatry has more to do with identity than anything else. Is it possible that idolatry is not simply bowing down to a statue or an extreme admiration or love? But does it have more to do with how that something or someone affects our identity and how we see ourselves? I pose this question because God is not a God of confusion. As a Christian, aren't I called to show extreme admiration and radical love to other people? While codependency can try and hijack that calling, it still remains that we are chosen to show uncompromising levels of deep love. So how are we called to love others radically while at the same time not putting anyone else before God? I believe that we find the secret to the balance of this dynamic buried in the connection between identity and idolatry. I've heard it said before that whatever we worship, we become like. That was certainly my case with my best friend. I worshipped her, and I wanted to become more like her. In the process of remaking myself into who she wanted me to be, I see now that I exchanged worshipping the Creator for worshipping something He created. I see now that my identity and idolatry are closely linked. I think that idolatry can happen with individual people most easily because people reflect God. We are created in the image of God. We are also created to worship God and know Him intimately. So if we were made to worship God, then the counterfeit version of that would be worshiping the image of God which is people. Since we are created in the image of God, it makes it all the more tempting to idolize a specific person and hitch our identity onto that person, the created, instead of the creator. We see this in celebrity worship and idolization, but I think most common is when we internalize it more into our own personal lives like when I became codependent on my best friend, I looked to her for my value and worth. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator, who is forever praised. Amen. Romans 1.25 I was the they it talks about in this scripture. I traded God's truth for a lie, and I chose to worship the created thing rather than the creator, and I was becoming more like her instead of more like him. Thank you, God, for saving me from myself. What about you? I want you to imagine a vast room with vaulted, soaring ceilings. Decorated with grandiose chandeliers covered in glittering jewels. Imagine sparkling gold furnishings that are more comparable to fine art than furniture. Imagine luscious fabrics of crimson and amethyst draped all around. Escorting your eyes across the room and drawing them to one point. And you see it. Your eyes widen as you take in the sight of a single, imposing throne standing in the middle of an ornate platform. The sight of the flaming cushions and dazzling gold trim that constructs this luminous and commanding throne is almost too much to bear. You can feel it almost burn the retina in your eyes because of its brilliance. The individual who reclines here holds the power to make decisions, define what is good, and enact orders to be followed. This is the throne of your heart. There is only room for one person on it. You choose the individual who sits here, and that individual reaps your worship, love, and loyalty once they take their seat. Only one person is truly worthy enough to be here, but we so often surrender it to others who are dwarfed by the brilliance of the hall and the radiance of the throne. I know that I've surrendered this throne. Who is seated on the throne of your heart? I want to lead us in a prayer to ask God, who sits on this dazzling throne? With an open heart, I encourage you to pray this simple prayer with me.
1: Holy Spirit, have I allowed someone other than God to define me? Who have I surrendered the throne of my heart to? Please reveal any area where I have placed a person as an idol and found my identity in them rather than you. In Jesus' name, amen. Take a moment and let Holy Spirit bring something to your mind.
0: Perhaps you got a name, or maybe you just know who that person is. Perhaps you can almost picture that person sitting on the throne of your heart, overshadowed by the grandeur of the position. However it comes to you, if the Holy Spirit brings someone to your mind who you've idolized, Join me in praying this prayer to restore us into right relationship with the one who desperately loves us and deserves our full attention and worship. During this prayer, when you hear this person, I want you to replace it with the specific name that you felt the Holy Spirit bring up. Pray with me. Father God,
1: I am sorry for holding this person higher than you. I am sorry for idolizing and turning to this person for my source of identity instead of looking to you. Please forgive me and help me to only worship you. Please come take your rightful place on the throne of my heart. Thank you for your forgiveness, mercy, and faithfulness. Even when I usurp your throne and give it away so carelessly. Holy Spirit, help me find my identity in you. And show me who you created me to be. I want to be more like you and gain my identity from who you are. I open my heart up to you today. Come and reign in my life. In Jesus' name, Amen. Resources
0: For Chapter 2. I've listed a couple of books that I have found so inspiring in my own identity journey. I've also linked to a sermon series from my church that speaks directly on identity. You can check these out in the show notes. If you have a friend who has just gone through a breakup, either with a friend or a significant other, consider sharing this chapter with them it might just be the perfect moment for God to move in their story and bring them closer to his heart. Thank you for listening to today's chapter and for joining me on this crazy journey. I pray blessings on your own journey. Have a blessed day in Jesus.